Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I was waiting for the doctor and he just gave me the signal and with me on the line is the man known in Chicago as Mark Sims. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Wow. Is this one of these bonus podcasts, Ben? No, it's not technically a bonus. And thank you oh, for asking okay, that question. I, I, didn't feel, I didn't feel worthy to be on the, for a bonus. Uh, you know, it's funny you should say that. That's funny you should say. We do the bonus drops uh, every – we drop them Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So the, those interviews take place generally on a Wednesday, a Thursday, or Friday. And some of our guests, they like um, – I don't want to be a bonus. Uh, can I be on the regular show? It's like, what difference does it make? You understand what I'm saying, Mark? I don't know. I think the bonus is more prestigious. You think so? Yeah. What do you think, D? I like them equally. Would you? Do you want to? You want to pretend this is a bonus, Mark? No, 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 no. It's, we it's can pretend good. it. We can do the a, bonus a, introduction a, that we do, which I love. No, no, it's it's a it's a quasi bonus. You know, quasi. Yeah, nope, we're doing. I was it. like saying quasi. we're doing. We're doing the bonus intro. Yeah, let's redo it. This impromptu Benny J bonus interview <laughs> is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, are sponsors. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. As I speak, it's Tuesday, May 19th, 2020, but of course it could be anytime because it's a podcast. As I do with all my bonus features, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce him or herself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Mark Sim, <laughs> a regular guy from Chicago. On the far south side. Uh, or as Coming to you live on the far south side. <laughs> and there you go. Now it's a bonus. It's a bonus, man. Woo! Rock and roll. Uh, yeah, I, I, just, I don't really feel worthy to do any type of bonus show, but, uh, you know, I am I am touched. <laughs> I really am. So, uh, Mark Sims, as we like to say, is the pride and joy of Fenger High School, one of the most illustrious graduates of that school. For years, he had a show, a, a podcast, uh, not a podcast, a cable show. I was his guest many times. We talked about all kinds of issues, and now we flipped the switch, and he's my guest on my show. But you have your own podcast as well. So before we go any further, promote the hell out of it, Mark. Thank you, Ben. There's 900,000 podcasts in America, like 900,000. Okay. And that's why I said I might as well join the fray. And I have mine called Just a Few Questions. Just a Few Questions. It's on YouTube. Just a Few Questions. Mark Sam's on YouTube. And I'm trying to slide it on one of these uh, podcast hosting sites. The only one I can find that's free <laughs> is this thing called Anchor. So something, I don't even know what Anchor is. I don't know what they do with my information. They say you can throw your podcast on for free. And I'm trying to anchor things. But first do the, uh, the, the uh, YouTube. And eventually I'll get to one of the, I'll get more like you guys. You're on all the podcast hosting sites and, and all the, you know, 
Yeah. But it's fun. It's fun. You have to, I mean, the podcast is sort of keeping me sane during this during this coronavirus yeah. crisis. It's, 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 I think it's getting to me. And guess what? I think it's getting to you and Dennis. Oh, I can hear it on the show. It's really, well, I'm going to speak for myself, not for Dennis. It's really getting to me. And I've been saying this for a while. I really miss the studio. I mean, there's parts about it uh, that are funny. Well, let me just back up. And and this is working to my worst attributes, Mark. I'm going to ask you about your, see, like, if I don't have uh, an alarm clock prodding me, I'm not getting out of bed. So I'm up at 10, 10.30, sometimes 11. I'm in my pajamas at noon. Dennis comes over and goes, get dressed. And, I, and then, you know what I mean? It's just like not good for me. If I have to go to the bright one to the studio, I'm up and at them earlier. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm dressed. I'm out of the house at 11. So it doesn't really work to uh, – uh, it doesn't help me deal with some of my issues. Uh, but on the other hand, I do like sleep until 1030. So it's kind of a mixed bag with me. But I really want to get back to the studio. You know what I'm saying? Just to see you guys. Well, I'm going nuts because I'm not, I'm not working. And I can't because I'm one of those people in the hospitality business. And, and I'm not working. And I can't get through J.D. Pritzker's website to get some of that Trump money, some of this COVID-19 money for people like me. And I'm tempted to go down and raise hell down at the State of Illinois building. So yeah. you'll see me soon protesting. Yeah. Because yeah. I want this thing to open up. I, I want it to open up, too. We'll get into that. But let me just tell you, you're probably eligible for unemployment compensation, whether you realize it or not. We'll have that conversation when we're off the air. Uh, no, that's the yeah, yeah. idea. We'll have that conversation hey, off the hit, air. Hey, hit me. We're talking about anything. Hit me, man, because I need some cash. Uh, well, p- part of what the government is doing uh, is they're lending a handout to people who cannot make a living because their livelihood has been destroyed by the lockdown. And I know a lot of people in this situation. I know bartenders in this situation. I know hairdressers in this situation. I know actors and actresses in this situation. I know Uber drivers in this situation. And uh, so I know podcast producers in this situation. Some were sitting quite close to me right now. So there's a lot of people that are in this situation. The lockdown has taken away their ability to make a living. And you're just one of them, Mark. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dan, for reminding me. <laughs> okay, I didn't mean to make you feel bad. I really appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I was already hopeless. I was really hopeless. So, all right, I, this is my theory that I ran by today. I already talked about this in the show. Get your thoughts on this. When we see people flocking to uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, to indulge at a bar after like a two-and-a-half-month uh, lockdown here in the state of Illinois where bars are closed— I do not believe they are making a political statement. I do not believe that the, most of the people flocking to that bar are necessarily MAGA hat wearers who uh, just like to give the middle finger to Democrats. I think they're just people who like to go to bars and they're the equivalent of people who smoke cigarettes. They probably know it's not a good idea, but they can't help themselves. They want to be there. And so they'll smoke the light up the cigarette or they'll go to the bar and uh, even if it threatens to expose them to a dangerous disease. What's your thoughts about this, Mark? Oh, Benny J, it's so many levels to this because I, I you know, also have a blog, you know that. No one reads it, but I have one. <laughs> I struggle. I'm not like you can write a whole column. I, I it takes me like two hours to write three freaking sentences that are somewhat coherent. And I, and I, and I, on my last blog, I did put up there that uh, I want people, I want things to open up. I want people to go out there to uh, build up this herd immunity, speed up the herd, 
uh, immunity. I want the immunity. So I want them out, but I think they go out for different reasons. Some people just want to go out and meet with other people, have fun. They want to go back to their old lives, which is, uh, you know, which is understandable. And of course, and there's a probably few people, don't get me wrong when I say this, when they looked at who's actually getting the coronavirus disproportionately, you know what I'm saying? A lot of low-income people in America are getting it. And they say, you know what? I don't live in Chicago. I don't live in the hood. I don't live in those other neighborhoods. Let's go, boys. Let's have some fun, mm. right? Oh, and, I, and so it's a lot of different reasons. I think it's a lot of different reasons. Well, you just raised a very good point. And I can't remember who was the guest that said it. I, I really cannot remember who the guest was. First of all, I have no, no memory anymore. Stuck up in the attic. Uh, but one of our guests pointed out that the uh, uh, the resistance movement, the Operation Gridlock movement, the MAGA hat, we're going to open up the economy movement, began right around the time that the news stories broke that most of the people in Chicago getting sick uh, were uh, were black people. Who was it? And that a bunch of Latinos, a bunch of Latinos, a lot of people who are, you know, are, you know, what, you know what I'm saying. They, if you're on the Indian reservation, the Indian native reservations, you know, lower income neighborhoods, there's a lot of different issues. And they're like, well, I don't live in an Indian reservation. I don't live in the hood. I don't live in a lower income area. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, I, I, I believe that, I believe that's a big part of it. Yeah, like the MAGA hat crowd thought, oh, we're not going to get sick. It's just black people. Like the virus only picks on black people, which is a flip. If you recall, at the outset of this thing, there were people putting theories out on the Internet that black people can't get it, which each theory is insane, Mark, when you think about it, that somehow or other black people would be exempt from it and somehow or other white people now feel that they're exempt from it. Each theory is as insane as the other one. But, but it, it, they are insane. But, you know, I, I love those. And, you know, when you're unemployed, man, you have a lot of time to surf the Internet and look at all these conspiracy theories. They're a lot of fun. <laughs> but when you look at, I was looking at a map of New York, and it's probably similar, similar Chicago. When you see the uh, cases in New York City, I know five boroughs, not just Manhattan. You see the cases in New York uh, where they have lower income people in some of the boroughs. That's when you have a lot of cases. Of course, a lot of people who live in, who have a little money live in Manhattan or parts of Brooklyn. Uh, they fled the city and they left. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it is. This is why we need Medicare for all, Ben. Yes. You know this. Mark, you're fighting your. And inner. a UBI. And a UBI. No. Hey, Dennis, can you imagine you had you had your thousand dollars a month right now with a, with a UBI? That'd be sweet. One of the Dennis, everybody else out there. Let's if I had go. a UBI watching off the government, I could sort of, I would be, I would be not as nutty as I am now because I'm trying to figure out what, because I really don't want. I enjoy being, let me, let me just go on field. I have enjoyed being unemployed. One part of it is fantastic. I'm getting a taste with, uh, with, the, uh, with, uh, what the retirement's going to seem like. The only downside is that I ain't got no money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got no money. Retirement, not going to work is phenomenal. And I really don't really want, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for new jobs now because the old job is not going to be what it was. And a lot of jobs are not, a lot of jobs not coming back. We'll have some, bankruptcy's coming and uh, for people like me it's going to be tough and but i don't want to go back to a job with people telling me what to do i got to punch the clock i, I my old job when i was over right mm-hmm. it was it was, it had a lot of flexibility i didn't have a freaking boss it was phenomenal so personally i don't want I, i'm begging for we're not going i'm not going to get a ubi ubi is probably going to kick in after i retire after I retire in a few years right i couldn't work full time for the next five years maybe four times for the next 10, I don't know. But it's not much I can do. That's why I do put, uh, promote the UBI. 
although I may not, you know, get it. I promote the Medicare for all because I, you know, I don't know how many years I'm away from uh, Medicare. I may not get Medicare for all. Oh, by the time they pass it, I'll be old enough for Medicare and, yeah. and Medicaid or something. But it, we, we have to push these things. And a lot of these jobs, you know, you're, you're on the internet being all day looking at this stuff because uh, this is my life, you know. Yeah. And you see that, you see a bunch of really cool videos and a lot of lectures. And you know, dudes have books out about all these jobs about to be changed through, uh, through this AI. This AI is nothing, nothing new. The robots are nothing new. We're going to have more AI and more robots and people like me who are uneducated and unskilled. Uh, we're going to have to have a, a UBI just to make it. Otherwise, you have riots in the street. That's why the Congress has passed the big uh, the bail. Well, not the bail, like that first congressional thing. They try to do some more money, some stimulus money, because without the stimulus money, you would have real riots in the street. Yeah, well, that's one of the great theories uh, that came out in the '60s. Uh, Fox, I think, the was the name of the sociologist. Uh, they came out with this theory. They noticed that when there was threats of insurrections or rioting, whatever you want to call it, uh, that's when the government opened up and gave more uh, benefits just to quell people, just to give them something to get by. Uh, so you're actually hitting on something that uh, sociology. By the way, did you watch The Last Dance, the, the Michael Jordan? You know, you love it. I, mean, I listen to your show, Ben. You love that basketball, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah, I love basketball. But you don't. You know, not I'm not fan. into it. I, no, I'm not, I'm not. Well, it's a lot of different. I mean, I'm kind of a weird person. Uh, I need to figure out that, that that get that bootleg ESPN that you've been doing. That's for the first step, okay? Yeah, I think that's... I got a guy who knows how to get that bootleg ESPN. That's the first step. And the other one is to, uh, you know, I don't really want to watch all of it. I love the interview with uh, Craig Hodges. People should go find that bonus interview with Craig Hodges. It was phenomenal. Thank you. Davis Jakes was great. I mean, but my thing about the Jordan years, because... During the Jordan years, of course, I watched a lot of those games on television. And the people who wasn't around, it was phenomenal. I would listen to other radio shows sometimes, a few out of in other cities, and they got a lot of Jordan haters, and LeBron's the best player they ever heard. You know, because, so, of course, the ESPN special you're talking about was huge. The radios were huge here in Chicago, huge across the country, but bigger in Chicago because it was a Chicago thing. But uh, during those days when I had a public access show, I would hate when they, they scheduled my public access show, Ben up against the Bulls, even in the playoffs. <laughs> I was like, don't do this to me. No one's going to watch my show. They're running the freaking Bulls. And, but the one thing about the Bulls I did, like, you could tell me they had this video. It wasn't about the – you know this stuff better than I do. The coolest thing I uh, – and I, and I, long story. I Steve Jordan and Pippen. Let me say my Jordan story here because you love this. Movie. Go ahead. The Bulls. I don't know how, the, you know, doing the public access. Just a public access show in Chicago in some kind of way. I called him up. I said, can I come interview the Bulls or something? At the press conference, whatever, right? I can't remember. It's like twenty something years ago, right? The nineties, and this is this is doing the bear, no, the Bulls, the Bears, the Bulls first. No, this is the second three P, the second three P. So I, the guy said, "Yeah, come on up here, bring your little funky uh, VHS camera, and come on up here and uh, you know interview the players." What up? I said, "Cool," and I went up there to the old Bertel Center, which is in Deerfield, I believe, right? Up in, in Deerfield, yeah. Went way up there from the far south side, and I got there and. Of course, the, the, the after some practice and the players came out and the coach came out, Phil Jackson. I, I don't even know what the video is because that's on VHS. It's probably all musty and degraded now. But and then uh, Scotty came out and and then Michael came out. And I'm telling you, uh, Danny J, when Michael came out to talk to the press, and that was one of the press, my little funky VHS, VHS camera. Yeah. My knees buckled. 
I was like, Jordan, Jordan in the flesh at the height. I was like, Jordan, I almost lost it. It was so freaking cool, <laughs> which was a great memory. I don't even, I don't know how, it, it was just phenomenal because that's how much, it means a lot. I met Scotty when I was in the driver, long story. And I, and I see Jordan, he was in court. I was downtown one time. He got sued for something. And he, and he was downtown at the, at the, at the, uh, Davy Center. Uh-huh. And I went, I was downtown, I don't know what the hell I was downtown for. And I went upstairs, there was Jordan in court, which is really cool. Jordan, Jordan, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and my biggest memory of the, of the Bulls, one of my best memories of the Bulls back in the day. Uh, you, I, I'm getting excited a little bit because I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> and uh, was that, what game was that was when Michael Jordan was really sick, Benny J? Yeah, we, they just showed that. Utah, right? Yeah, they just showed that uh, uh, this Sunday. Oh, yep. they showed it? Uh, oh, they, my God. Yeah. I mean, it, the, when he was sick and he was about to fall out and Scotty grabbed him and carried him to the, to the, to the, to the uh, sit-down and there was a timeout or something, and he was just out of it. If I saw that scene uh, doing this, uh, you know, this, uh, this show, I may have, I may have shed a tear. I ain't gonna lie, to you. I would start crying. You would have because that's what that's yeah. because it was so cool because people Jordan has his haters. I know, but think about Jordan. Jordan liked to win, and when you move for a team, you want your players to like to win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Mike and Scotty was so cool. And what's so cool about the Bulls is that, and you know this better than I do, the second three P had an entirely different team. I don't yeah. think anybody came. From the first three P to the second three P, other than Scotty and Mike, right? Uh, let me think that through, and the answer is uh, yes. You are correct because they were Horace was gone, Cartwright was gone, Paxson was gone, BJ was gone, Hodges was gone. Yep, you're right. Now I want. I think nobody, nobody. Pretend trivia points. What is the link between you and Michael Jordan? You know, I went to the same high school with Juanita. Yes. I don't remember Juanita. That is Jordan. it. That's correct. You got I knew, it. I knew you would know. I, you, How did you know that? Because I, I know, know things like this. No, I think I think Juanita. I think Juanita was. See, this is a little the denim, and folks know Chicago, and and of course the African American community. Blah 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 blah. This is Rosa Fingers at 112th and Wallace. Now, back in the day, this is in the 70s. I, I started high school in uh, 76, 77. Right? Yeah. It was so crowded in 76 and 77 that the freshman senior class had to, uh, we had to be putting, uh, I've heard this story before probably, we, we, we was at Curtis. Curtis is an elementary school, 115th in the state. The freshman had to be at Curtis at way on 115th in the state, wow. right by Michigan, all that kind of stuff. That's how crowded it was. I remember like 3,300 students back in the 70s, and that's what I remember. And now I think Finger is probably lucky to have 300 there now for a lot of different reasons. And they talk about Chicago. There was a young lady, and I don't remember all the statistics. I've had to go to the hieroglyphics or the Tribune in the Sun Times. So it was a young lady who shot and killed when we were at Curtis Elementary, freshman year of finger slash Curtis High School. And that was in the 76, 77. I can't remember. That was 40-something years ago. Think about it. Yeah. Good old Chicago. So don't get me started about that. But so I think Juanita was, may have been a year or two older than me. Juanita graduated in 77. Oh yeah, man. Okay, seventy-seven. So we may have never crossed paths yeah. because I got to do the math because I was still at Curtis, yeah. seventy-six, seventy-seven. Yeah. So we may have never crossed paths because because she was in the main building and we were still at Curtis. Yeah. Long I, story. Yeah. But then again, I, but, like I tell people, if I, if, I, if I had got to Jordan before Juanita, I would have married Mike. <laughs> 
Well, maybe he had married you, but I. Because uh... remember, Mike, they was on. They was on like they they second and a half. They were like one and a half children, two and a half children before Mike finally married Juanita, right? No, I don't know if that's true. I, I no, 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 that's what I heard. Uh, let's let's gossip, man. Come yeah, on, yeah. I mean, let's just unsubstantiated gossip. gossip. The, the views and opinions of Mark Sims are those of Mark Sims. No, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that. I, I, I'm just. I, I, I do not know if that's thing. true. I think I do not know if that's true, but I I've always for some reason it lodged in my head. I uh, remember that uh, Juanita went to Finger and you went to Finger, yeah. and I just and I have a no, uh, we, no, we never crossed paths. Yet. Okay, never crossed uh, well, I'm saying with so many people back then. If I knew, if I ran into her, I wouldn't know. Well, well one that, thing, she has shown a lot of love for Finger over the years. I got to give her credit. Well, the um, which you just pointed out the differences in uh, Chicago, the changes in Chicago between the '90s and now. Uh, reflected by the overcrowdedness in Finger in the, back then, and the fact that it's it's empty now. Uh, the black community in Chicago is, to a large degree, of left or a good chunk of its left. It's empty. No, out no, no. I never, you know, you know, when people say this, I, I had to interview people, and they would say it's so bad. All the black people live in live in Chicago. I say, okay, where you live? Do you live where we live? <laughs> if you live where we live, you leave Chicago too, right? <laughs> It's true though, because it's true because most of us are one or two generations from the South. Okay. A lot of us, not all, but most of us. Mm -hmm. So over the past, in the second grade, second grade migration stopped in 1970, 50 freaking years ago. Yeah. Over the last 50 years, a lot of people have moved away. A lot of people have passed away. It's okay. Chicago will be just fine. It was okay before we got here. It'll be fine long after we're gone. Well, I, I, I'll actually, I mean, I believe that the view of the city leaders was that they were just happy that black people were leaving Chicago. But in reality, the city's coming to realize that a loss of population is not a great thing for a city. Duh. And so this is one of the things that Lori Lightfoot is struggling with. She says she wants to bring black people back to Chicago. She's actually made uh, that as one of her goals. Now, the pandemic has come along, Mark, and everything is just on the back burner, so we'll see if she can come through with that. Uh, my doubt. It didn't happen. It's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> well, without uh, jobs, you point this out without it. But the point I was going to make about the documentary, we went on a tangent, is that um, one of the things we were talking about insurrection, and that's what put it in my mind. We were talking about uh, rioting. And one of the aspects that they skated over in the documentary, and I've mentioned this a couple times, I think I may mention this to Craig Hodges is that in 93, when the Bulls beat Phoenix and uh, there were boards on the windows out of many of the stores in Chicago and Charles Barkley made fun of that. He said, take those damn boards down now. The reality was the people in Chicago, the, the powers that be were worried about rioting in the city. And they were worried. This was a time when there were riots in L.A. and in Miami I don't know if you remember back. This is about the time. Did I know you back then? I may have. I can't remember. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I knew you. Long, I've known you for a long time. The point is, is uh, Mark, that it was a different city. They, the, the the documentary could have been set anywhere. It was like the location of Chicago was irrelevant to that documentary. Chicago played no role in that documentary. But and that was a choice they made. That was their artistic choice. I'm not hating on them for that i'm just pointing that out the reality is that if they had focused on it that would have been a compelling part of the story that 
this city, the, like the peace in the city was so fragile that the powers that be were worried that a championship would like diffuse. Do you follow me? And that there would be all wholesale. Yeah, it was, I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have always have some incidents, but I, I love that because let's face it, any city has changed in 20, 30 years. Let's face it. Remember the first three feet, as I remember, you can correct me, man. The first three people was at the old Chicago stadium, right? That's correct. And that the second three people was at the United Center. That is correct. And you, anybody remember the old Chicago? The old Chicago Stadium was 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 an old barn, but it had magic. Just when that place got loud, it was unbelievable. But my dad used to take us to take the brothers and went to see see the old bulls back in the seventies. I mean, Norm Van Leer was that, and you know I can't go on alone. But you know what I'm saying? It was a magical place, and of course, those Henry Horner homes were there, yeah, which was very scary if you got away from the stadium. <laughs> You go into the Henry Horner homes if you're not familiar with the area. You're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. So that, it's a much different area. Yeah. It's a much different city. It will continue to be that way. Yeah, it is a much different city. And I do very fond. I just wrote about this. I very fondly remember the Chicago Stadium. Uh, profound joy of going to the Chicago Stadium, going up to the second balcony, watching my beloved Bulls and Norm Van Leer. Uh, but you're right. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, Mark. When I walk out of the stadium, I'm just this little white kid from Evanston. I'm like, where am I? You know, it's <laughs> where's my car? I mean, you know, it's. Uh, I like say I like saying this for people of a certain age. It's an old cartoon. Yeah, okay? it is an old cartoon. So you know, the old made that Noah cartoon. Uh, you not, that's an old underdog cartoon for people who of my yeah, they're, age. They're, uh, all right, now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mark alluded to the fact that he spends a lot of his downtime watching, uh, following stuff on the internet, and I'm the beneficiary of that. Uh, I would say at least two or three or four times a week, I get an email from Mark uh, with a link to something I should uh, read or watch. And uh, last week, you hit pay dirt. You sent me two things that I really uh, fired me up. And I've already, I did? Yes. And I, I gave you credit on the show, but I'm going to give you credit again. The first thing you sent me was Bill Maher's riff on Tara Reid. And the second thing, you, which I did a whole bit on, and the second thing you sent me was the link to Terry Gross. Well, she wasn't Terry Gross. It was the, uh, the substitute. Fresh Air's interview. Yeah, with, Dave Davies. Dave Davies. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm a Terry Gross fan. Let's before we go for before we take the dive and some one of our listeners was teasing me because I'm it's like he goes, Ben, you always make fun of NPR, but you like the most NPR person on NPR. Are you a fan of Terry Gross? You know, Terry Gross is phenomenal and, and what's so weird about it, most of her interviews are done when the when the guests are in another studio. I know. Ain't that something? Yeah, I which I know. Yeah. Which I, is cool. I mean a little inside baseball stuff, you know. Yeah. But she's, I think she may see them. I don't know. I, I, I hate doing it over the phone. We talked about this earlier. This is driving me out of my mind. I, I, I don't know how Terry Gross could do it. She doesn't see the people. I like to look at the person. I like to look at Mark Sims and see what he's doing. Yeah, well, she, she's a pro. She knows how to do it. She, she's excellent. But, but the Molly Pelosi, Molly Ball, that's what I think she's. Yes, you sent me that. And uh, let's let, or since we mentioned that, we'll t- take that first. I was obsessed with that. See, I have a, an obsession with Nancy Pelosi, uh, and Bav's one of our listeners, is always making fun of me on my Facebook page because of it, uh, because he's a lefty and he thinks Nancy Pelosi has sold out the the Democratic Party. But I, I have an obsession with her because I, I watch how she uses her power to keep her uh, her her caucus together, 
and to confront Trump and try to uh, win over the public relations battle with Trump and also to win over some uh, meaningful legislative gains. I just, to watch her work, they play the game, I just find it uh, fascinating. And to think that she's an 80-year-old woman and she just seems to have boundless amounts of energy Mark, 80 years old she is, and she's playing these high-stakes games. I have a tremendous respect for her, so I appreciate you sending me that uh, link because I really enjoyed it. You, do you share my respect for Nancy Pelosi? Yeah, you know, the thing about it, uh, Molly Ball, what's the book? I think the book is called Pelosi. Yes, now, it is. And, of course, I'm a, I'm a person not like you. I'm not going to be up at 4 in the morning reading a freaking book. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that. I'll listen to a radio show or a lecture on YouTube or some other channel or whatever, but I'm not going to read the book. But, but, but the thing about Nancy Pelosi was that, you know, and I, was, I told you this before, there's a picture somewhere. People can look at that while we're talking. There's a picture of her with Jack Kennedy, President Kennedy. I imagine he was president at the time, okay? Yeah. Uh, maybe before he was president. But she looks like she's about 17 years old. She looks like a freaking teenager. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi. Remember, people forget, her daddy was Mel Baltimore, right? Yes, he was. So yeah. she has she has deep political roots, and then for women who of a certain age, people forget how I was. You know, I came out of high school in '80, so people forget how it was for women even in the '80s when Nancy Pelosi won that. Uh, sec, I mean, San Francisco seat to go go to Washington. Mm-hmm. So it, listening to her, you you hear that history is so good because you see Nancy Pelosi, you say, okay, she's 80 year old, speaker of the house, okay, big deal. Then when somebody tells a story about Nancy Pelosi, you're like, wow, I have a I have a greater greater respect for her. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm the same way, and that, and that really brought it out uh, in that interview. And I'm I'm going to try to get uh, volleyball on to talk to her myself because, um, what I would love to explore with her is what I call the Babs question, for lack of a better word: Is Nancy Pelosi too conservative for the Democrat? Is she selling out the Democratic uh, Party or betraying Democratic values? I'd love to. Uh, get, uh, no, no, no. She, she, no. You, you got to play to win. And uh, let's face it: whether you're a Democrat, this is how I see the Democrat and the Republican Party. You know, it's like this. You, oh, well, I, let's not go far afield. I, I, let's talk about this other article because I can talk about Nancy Pelosi. I don't want to get too racial. I get, I get emotional. I get racial. People understand they always got you. Get, the Democrats. When I'm trying to say the Democrats can't push too far. If they push too far, it's like we're giving money and goodies to the minorities. And there's a seg- certain segment or a large segment of the population, i.e. Uh, European-Americans, who don't like that. They really don't. That's the reason why we don't have universal health care, Medicare for all. The number of reason why we don't have Medicare for all right now, because people think, well, if we have Medicare for all, that means the minorities, them black folks, the Mexicans, them other folks, major and all over the world, they're going Medi- to get some free stuff, too. We don't want that. So the, so, the, so the Democrats don't move as left as they should because they're going to frighten a lot, a lot of IE white folks and European Americans. That I agree with you, and that's the insanity of America right now. Like because because in in their mind's eye, Americans view programs that benefit black people and Hispanics, but mainly black people, as somehow a waste. They'll oppose them, and then they won't get them, even if they need them. See, I was talking about Darren Bailey earlier today. He's a state rep from downstate who's leading the charge. MAGA hat wearer leading the charge against Pritzker in the state house now. Dennis thinks he's going to run for governor in a couple of years. And, uh, you know, he says he believes in liberty, Mark. 
And then I'm reading uh, Daniel Apolis' story on him. Turns out he's got his hand out. He's getting uh, farm support, over a million dollars a year in farm support. How can you believe in economic liberty if you're taking money from the government not to grow crops or to subsidize your crops? Do you follow what I'm saying? But, no, they say that for the knuckleheads don't know no better. Those tropes they use is just BS. They, 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 they believe in welfare for them, corporate welfare, farm subsidies. But if, if somebody gets a UBI and sit on their butt, like I would love to do, oh, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you, so, and, and, and let's get, it's like slavery, right? I, we, uh, you know, we, you know, you're, you're a few years older than me, but we weren't around doing slavery. I remember the people that. Ben's old, but he wasn't around <laughs> doing slavery. I'm older and, than Mark you know, Sims. It's, Yes, yeah, but just can you imagine though, if you just let the slaves go free, is that really going to hurt the average poor working class person back in the day in 1865, 1863, right? But that same mentality is that don't let the slaves go free. We're going to have a civil war to keep the slaves slaves. But the same mentality is still with us today. Those other people are going to get something. And they're going to take it from you, and you and they're they going to make you give it to them. And that same mentality is still with us. There's a guy who wrote a book. I see him on C-SPAN. Uh, I'm too, you know, I don't, I don't have a type of a grobby toss like Ben, Benny J to have him on my podcast. But he had a book called Dying of Whiteness. Dying of Whiteness, right? You get the drift, right? Mm-hmm. And it may be similar to that book, uh, what's that guy named? Frank? He wrote the book, uh, I forgot Frank's name. He wrote the book, uh, What's the Matter with Kansas? Thomas Frank. Oh, what's Thomas Frank. Yeah, what's the matter with Kansas? Thomas Frank. What's the matter with Kansas? Yeah. And 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 it's an it's an old quote, and I'm going to mess it up, but it's a funny quote. But it's something like uh, LBJ. You know, President Johnson said, if you can convince the poorest white man that he's better than the smartest, richest, or uh, black man, you can pick his pocket every time. Yeah. It's still true to this very day, which is quite sad. That is so profound and so sad and so pathetic. I don't even know where to go. Uh, all right, look, I know. You know, you know what? That's, that's how it is. And guess what? I sympathize with the people who feel that way. Once you go past, I don't know, I eighty. Let's say, uh, I don't know, past Kankakee, Kankakee and South, and South. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's just another world, and every city in America is pretty much like that. Once you get away from the multicultural urban areas, <laughs> it's like Hooterville. You know what I'm saying? And I understand because you ever been to Metropolis? I know, and Dennis, Dennis, Dennis been in Metropolis, right? No, I've seen people uh, with pictures, though. Home of Superman. That's right. And I've been down there, long story. There's a casino down there, Dennis. I know you like gambling. There's a casino <laughs> down there, not far from the su- Superman statue. But you know what I mean? When you go downstate, now you even have to go that far. It's another world. So when you, you're downstate, you could be up to a few hundred miles away. Chicago is another planet. Yeah. Chicago, Atlanta, Houston, whatever. It's another planet. So I under. I understand. I, I get it. Even, even like I told you before, in this town, the demographics have changed so much in like, you know, North Cook County, DuPage County. It's all these different kind of people that live there. I never forget. I tell you a story before. Let me see repeat this story. When I was a limo driver, I never forget this guy when I was a limo driver. He said, he said, Mark, I don't like me. He just came from New York City. Okay. He said, I don't like New York City. And I said, sir, why don't you like New York City? He said, I don't like New York City because it's just too many different kind of people who live there. And I was like, I was polite because I'm a little guy. You got to shut your mouth and take it, right? <laughs> and but the point is that when you travel the world, that's yeah. who you see—all those different kinds of people. And I know it's jarring. 
the first time I went to Texas, the first time I went to Dallas was like, I don't know, 30 years ago, probably 30 years ago, probably more than 30 years ago. And if one thing I'm, I said, first thing I said, with all due respect, when I say Mexican, I'm not using that as a pejorative, but I got to tell the story. When I went down to Dallas about 30 years ago, the first time, got off the plane down with the downtown Dallas. I'm like, damn, there's all these Mexicans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm saying in the majority because I wasn't used to it, not knowing that soon Chicago will be like the number two town of, of uh, Latinos. They say Latinos, but mainly Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago, and, yeah. uh, and most people are Mexican are like second, third, fourth generation. And so you, it's, you have to get used to it. So I've seen the demographics in this town change since I've been here. You know, it's changed since you've been here. Yeah. And so, and it's something you, you sort of embrace, although we're still kind of segregated in most parts of Chicago. Kind of. Kind of. Well, it's like this. Yeah. In my, in like my little house on the far south side. I don't know if my, 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 uh, my neighborhood was her Latino in my lifetime. It might. But if it does, I'm, it's a decision I have to make. Am I comfortable with my, with my neighborhood turning Latino or mainly Mexican or do I move? I don't know. It's, it's okay, but you know, but it's a, it's a serious discussion we have to have. And if people want to live in a homogenous society, and everybody's from Ireland or uh, Italy or whatever, or someplace in Europe, that's cool. I have no problem with that. I, I really, I understand. Yeah. Well, uh, I do believe that uh, integration is not a priority in this country. I mean, people give lip service to it, but it's not a priority, uh, and that's just. You know, that's just the the way it is in this country. All right, then let me talk about the well, other people, thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. The yeah, other so. thing you sent me, which I talked about on the show, was a, a link to the Bill Maher show. Now, I, I confession to make, uh, I don't regularly watch the Bill Maher show. In fact, I don't, I never watch the Bill Maher show because I don't have the outlet. What, he's on HBO, right, D? Yeah, I don't have oh, access. You don't have bootleg HBO? <laughs> you know what? I got a confession to make. So I think I, I thought I was getting off on ESPN. I think they billed me. I got some on my credit card bill that didn't make any sense. So I'm going to have to do well, a little. Mickey Mouse got <laughs> Mickey Mouse found out that you didn't bootleg and in the mouth that you uh, <laughs> I think I'm paying for it. Um, that was his Mickey Mouse routine. <laughs> Any, uh, anyway, uh, that's actually not a bad imitation. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, you sent me the that, bill. That was Dennis' friends at home. That was Dennis with Den, the, uh, Den, the Mickey, Mickey Mouse, Mouse invitation. Uh, bill that's Mar- correct. So every now and then I'll watch Bill Maher on um, YouTube. You know, I sit up and watch my YouTube clips, and there's some Bill Maher stuff. So I, I, I kind of, kind of get a sense of, uh, you know, his style. And uh, not a huge Bill Maher fan, but a lot of points I think he makes are relevant. Anyway, he had a riff, and you sent it to me about Tara Reid, and Tara Reid, of course, is the former uh, senatorial aide who has accused Joe Biden of sexually assaulting her. Back in, I want to say, 1993, uh, Joe Biden uh, vehemently denies it, said it's not true. And Bill Maher let loose with an editorial, I guess, or rant, whatever you want to call it, in which his basic theme was he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care uh, if it happened. He doesn't care if Joe Biden's lying about it or Tara Reid's lying about it. All that he cares about is defeating Donald Trump. And for better or for worse, the Democrats have decided that the agent to defeat Donald Trump is Joe Biden. The electorate of the Democratic Party made this decision. Now, Mark, I did not, I was not in line with them. I did not vote for Joe Biden. I can think of like five different Democrats who are running. That would be a better, in my humble opinion. But that's the decision. 
that the Democrats have made, and the Democrats are sticking with it, and they don't care. And I was caught off guard. I'd be like, wow, he's just, he's just saying it, Mark. And you know what? I talked to a lot of Democrats, and I said this on the air, men, women, black, white, they all privately, almost all of them privately agree with Bill Maher. They won't say it, but they agree with him. What do you think? Uh, Bill Maher hit it out of the freaking park. I, I, I started to write a little blog, and my blog's only 16 years, of course, but I was kind of scared because when you say anything about, you know, well, you know, you know what I'm saying. You go against if you go against the Me Too movement. It's a bad thing. It's not good, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't even want to go there. I have five people watching me and listening to me, but I don't even want to go there. But Bill Maher's in his early 60s. He's on HBO. He got kicked off of regular television 20 years ago, and it was phenomenal. And I met Bill Maher. I drove Bill Maher years. I mean, this got to be. I can't remember. 15, 16, 17 years ago. I drove Bill Maher. I was a limo driver. Phenomenal. He gave me tickets. He did a show. What's that? Uh. It's, it's like the Skokie Theater right there, like Skokie Road and Dempster or something, right, right, right by the mall. He did a show there. The oh, big oh um, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, right the near Center the old Orchard Mall. Yeah. Or something. yeah, yeah. North Light Theater. Right, right. So it was, and it was, whatever it was, a really nice theater. He gave me tickets to the show. It was phenomenal. Bill was really a class act. He's a good guy. I know some people don't like Bill Maher because he had a history of dating black women. You know, a lot of people don't believe in that. And I understand all of that. But uh, see, the thing about Bill Maher, it's just an opinion, people. He's gotten too sensitive. And let's face it, Bill Maher hit it out the park. Uh, President Trump has to go. People don't, I, I don't really get, I don't really, I'm getting kind of visceral when I think about it. People, like half America is doing okay. They can work from home. They're independently wealthy. They got a few bucks. They okay. It's a lot of people like me are paycheck to paycheck or close to it. They got new money coming in, provide, you know, Trump check to come in, all that kind of stuff. And we see this guy who just ruined the freaking economy. This pandemic didn't have to be that bad. I could probably predict and guess if he were, if George Bush the second W was president, it wouldn't be this bad. This man has to go. And you're gonna have some Tara Reed, and she seems kind of flaky. I know Bill's got his his issues. But that's not the point. She should have said that when he was losing in Iowa. He should have said, oh, Joe Biden touched me. Okay, why don't you say that when he was getting slaughtered in New Hampshire? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh. So, you know, you got, we, we got we to pick up fights and she needs to go sit down somewhere. And, uh, and we need to work. And they got to work that out. It's not an issue now. It's, it's a dead issue now. It's gone. But, but, but no one really cares about Joe Biden. Joe Biden doesn't excite me. But uh, President Trump, you can use the fancy people use for existential. You can almost make the claim this guy's an existential threat to the republic. It's that serious, people. And to you, it's even people even though I don't, I don't really want to vote. It doesn't really matter. This time it really matters. It really, really matters. This people don't understand. This country is teetering on. He on a on, on okay. We're 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 an empire in decline. He's just hastening the decline. And people like Mitch McConnell really don't care. They say, listen here, I may not live another 20 years. I mean, Mitch McConnell, somebody like that, Trump, we, we don't care. We just toast this country, put the judges in, and they're going to have to handle the debt and all this stuff. We out of here, people. We don't care. This is, this is scary stuff that people understand. They, and, and this pandemic is scary, but a lot of people are doing quite well. So, And they did have a stimulus out there, so there's not a really lot of panic yet. But hopefully, hopefully. Trump goes, he leaves the 20th. He may not leave willingly on the 20th of uh, January next year, but he's got to go. 
And people who are serious about getting Trump out, it has to be a done deal. The media wants a horse race in November. We know this, Bill. I mean, uh, uh, Benny J. I'm thinking about Bill Maher. Benny J. And uh, we got to say, we got to get the people to register to vote. That's why I like this article I was sent you earlier about, what was that article I sent you about voting or something? Yeah. From Political Magazine. It was phenomenal. 50% of people, the people vote. don't vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 50% that- of people vote. A Political Magazine, easy to find. And what I'm saying, people, you have to get these people, people out here to vote, especially in these swing states. And that's when you say the electoral college state where mm-hmm. Trump could win yeah. the economy. It could. It, I doubt if it turns around in a few months, but it could be on an uptick later on. And he may try to squeeze it out. This is serious. And there are people who love Trump so much. They don't care if they lose their farm, lose their job, maybe even lose their life. But they'll use their last breath to vote for President Trump. Like the book said, this guy wrote a book called Diana Whiteness. This is very serious. This man, so we have this, the Pope's have to show that his man is going to be defeated like in October. We Don't wait to November. Don't wait to September. It has to be the Pope that's so, like, okay, this man is going to lose. This not, then we have to go after the Senate. So Trump should be first. It should be obvious Trump is going to go. We have to have the Pope say he's gone. But we have to get Willie Lee, the, the Democrats, <laughs> after Winston Lee's Senate, uh, uh, Senate season, so we can have some, uh, so Mr. Biden can be uh, they have full reign for at least two years. All right, very good. Uh, we are out of time, Mark Sims. Uh, that's a good place to leave it because I completely agree with everything you said. You closed it down. And uh, so thank you very much for taking uh, time from your busy day. Uh, and uh, which you, as you pointed out, you're not as busy as you used to be. But uh, I'm hoping, and here's my hope, Mark, that the next time we do the interview, we're right back there in the studio and I'm looking at you. I think you're one of the few guests who would come in. <laughs> Dennis and I were talking about this. Hey, especially if I'm not working, I'll come in. <laughs> but, you know, but, hey, I ain't seen Dennis and Ben for a while. You know, you know, first Tuesdays. and That's when I saw y'all last time. Y'all were in the Hyde Park for, for a political event. Oh, you were, I ain't seen y'all you were since, there what, March, March or something, right? Yeah, yeah March. I ain't seen y'all since March or right. something, man. Come on. This is, you, this is ridiculous. Yeah, since March 3rd. Wow, that's a long time. Uh, you, right, I did an interview with you on March 17th, but it was over the phone. We were still in the studio, but it was over the phone. And that, we've been, we left the studio the next day. We haven't been back since uh, March 17th. March 18th was our first day here in the attic. So that's, this pandemic is no joke. Hey, Mark, 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 tell us about uh, just a few questions. Who, what guests you got lined up? Oh, I ain't got nobody. I had Lori Glenn. Lori Glenn was cool. <laughs> and, see, I'm starting to see all your guests, Ben. See, it's all relationships. I meet them through a, a, a Ben show. Then I, can you come on my show? They told me to go. You know what I'm saying? But Lori was phenomenal. Uh, your ultimate is not, uh, so what's your ultimate? Matt. Matt Martin. Matt Martin. Yeah, Matt Martin. Yeah. See, I met Martin on the show. He, I met him at Joe's show, show. But the point is that you just look up just a few questions, just a few questions on YouTube, just a few questions. And, uh, you know, and um, it's, it's fun. Yeah, I'm, somebody's going to be on this week. You've been doing it for quite some time. Like, overall, how many, uh, just, you know, a ballpark, how many uh, interviews you have? I don't know. I think it's damn near. I think it's 100. Whoa. But the point is that, but, you know, wait, 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 wait. But, you know, the thing about it is that I'm convinced that. You have to have some kind of hobby. This hobby could, I would love to have a job where I could sit here, like you guys, sit here and talk to people and make six figures. But see, man, I have to be a sellout, man. <laughs> Wait a minute. I can't, six you know figures. That's hilarious. No, no, it's, it's, <laughs> no, no you know, very few, few podcasts, seriously, I'll joke aside, very few podcasts make money, but yeah. there are people who do make money. But you make money by going after <laughs> an audience that's going to pay. 
yeah. seeing things that are, you know, or being an entertainer. You have, you know, you have to be sort of mainstream. I wish, what's the guy you guys watch all the time? You uh, well, like uh, uh, you talk about Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. Joe yeah. Rogan. Yeah. yeah. Joe Rogan already had a Joe Rogan brand. It's a, it's a bro culture and, and, and he does a good job. So you always got to find your audience and whatnot. So a person like me with my crazy views, it's not a large audience. Because like, like that article said, most people are not into politics. They're not in the culture. And, again, like, and like Monroe Anderson said on your show, black people like to talk about black issues. And people like, you know, most people like to talk about issues that are close to them, yeah. close to their neighborhood, you know, that kind of stuff. And so it's, you know, trying to find an audience is tough. But we'll figure it out. It's fun, though. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, I'm, and I'd be begging all you. So if you get weird emails saying, Ben, why is this weird guy, Mark Sam, <laughs> trying to get me on this show? What the fuck is that? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to curse on this podcast. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to curse. The first time I, I ever heard it. Mark Sims swear. That was a wicked F bomb. No, no, no. I, mean, you know, I, I have emotion. never heard no. you swear. I've known no, you for I, years. No, I, I cursed on the show once you when have? I forgot the podcast. I told myself, don't curse on the podcast because somebody might make listen to this. <laughs> uh, I, did he curse before? Dennis, I don't remember Mark. Oh, shit, yeah, he did. Oh, okay. Well, look at Dennis feeling, letting his freak flag fly. All right, very good, Mark. Hey, hey I'm going to get uh, Ben and the Dennis back on the show soon. I can't take you I've been on the show at least twice. I got to get I gotta get you I gotta get you back on. I can't think you know. All right, very good. Mark Sims, stay safe, stay sound. Take care, everybody. <laughs>